0: We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ.
1: Well, good morning. So good to see all of your smiling and beautiful faces today. It is just wonderful to be here. Um, I'm glad that we get to spend some time together in the Word of God. We're going to continue uh, our study on the struggle is real. That is the uh, direction we're kind of heading uh, this particular uh, session of of lessons, study of lessons. But before I get that far, let me first uh, begin uh, by saying a very big thank you. Um, Of course, Thursday night, uh, unfortunately, Catherine uh, had her seizure, and that kind of threw Jonathan's plans for the weekend and the youth retreat um, off for him personally. Uh, And we, uh, I talked to him, uh, a couple of the elders talked to him, and uh, they made the decision that he was going to stay home and just be with Catherine and, and the family through the weekend. And uh, that meant that a lot of other people had to step up and, and do things that they weren't planning on doing over the weekend and, and staying maybe longer on those uh, wonderful sleep number beds that Maywood don't purchase for you to use. Um, and uh, I just want to say, uh, because I'm not going to, if I start, I'm like, Johnson i start naming names names get left out and get forgetting. But to our adults that came over the weekend, thank you so much for stepping up and doing things you weren't planning to do. And we had a great, great, great group of kids. Um, I've taken my fair share of groups of kids on retreats and I will say beyond uh, the shadow of a doubt, this was the best acting group of kids that I've ever been with on a retreat. The only person that got in trouble all weekend long was Alyssa Hood. So, um, That's the only person that got in trouble all weekend. So it was a pretty good weekend, you know, not a problem. And so it uh, was just great to to be together, spend that time with them, and um, get to experience that. We we played archery, kids, and uh, some of us older, uh, thinking we're a little more athletic than we are, uh, guys decided to march ourselves down there and play with them for about 45 minutes, and... um, I feel like I've lifted a house with my legs this morning. I could barely walk when I got up out of bed today. So um, it's always better just to stand back and watch and think you're young than it is to get down there and remind yourself you're not. So, um, But that was just a great weekend. And thank you to everybody that helped make the weekend such a success, uh, even in a difficult kind of moment that we kind of had to keep it going and keep it rolling. It was just a great time to be together. As we dig into the Word this morning, let's go to God in prayer, uh, and then we'll start. God we thank you so much for the chance that we get to be in your that we get to be in your presence today. We thank you for uh, this time of worship, this time of praise that we have had, uh, the time that we've gathered around your table and remembered your son's sacrifice. We thank you for the prayers that have been prayed this morning, God. And now as we open up your word, help us to clear our hearts and clear our minds uh, to listen to your spirit, to allow your spirit to convict us and to move us to a place of conviction and a place of change if the need be. Uh, just Open our hearts in this moment. God is in Your Son's name. We pray, Amen. So we're continuing in this idea of the struggle is real. Uh, what we kind of, what we kind of started last week was talking about the idea that we've spent eight weeks talking about who Jesus is. He says that I am these different things. Uh, I am He. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. I am the resurrection and the life. The true vine, the light, the good shepherd. And we talked about what all those things meant in context of Jesus and how they touch our lives. And then we kind of began to talk about the idea of it's easy to commit to Jesus when culture flows toward Jesus. It's easy to commit to Jesus when everything seems to be, you know, in a positive way, even though not everybody may be Christian. But everybody lives kind of by that Christian code, that Christian standard. And 50 years ago, we very much felt that we were living in a Christian culture within our society. But as time has passed and as the world shows, history shows that the longer time passes, the more man becomes like Satan than God most of the time, especially if God's not in the middle of things. And so we tackled the idea of how do we commit to Christ in this culture? How do we live in this way? And so, as I've been studying this week and looking at different things, one of the things that is true, one of the things that is very real about where we are today is that as Christians, we are definitely in a more hostile environment. We are facing persecution maybe in ways that we haven't. Persecution has not really run rampant in our country. We're not dying for the cause of Christ at this point, although I believe there will come a time that that will happen. I think that's just nature. I think that's just history. That's just a way... Things happen, but if you look in our culture today, you see that uh, some of the hostility that we face is disinformation and propaganda about who we are and what we're trying to stand for, intimidation and and shaming, uh, discrimination and silencing and coercion and penalties. You see kind of these things going on in different ways and different places. We're not going to get too deep into this, but just kind of lay the groundwork and understand we are facing more difficult times. We're facing a greater struggle in following Jesus than we ever have really in our lives. And these come from some very specific places and ideas. It comes from the idea of our Christian view of religious freedom, that even though, I mean, yes, our constitution grants us the freedom to practice our religion, we know that in Christ there is no law that man can ever make up that truly can ever suppress our freedom to praise and worship the God that has saved us. And But yet we face areas in that. We, we face areas of hostility when we think about the Christian view of life, whether that be uh, for the born or for the unborn. You know, we face difficulties in that way. Christian view of marriage and family and Christian view of uh, soji. We talked about this a little bit last week, I think, sexual orientation and gender identity issues. We've had these challenges that keep coming up that that we're trying to navigate and figure out, and we feel like as we stand and maybe stand for what we feel is truth from the Word of God, that culture continues to push back and fight us on these things. So we asked this question last week, how do we balance grace, love, and joyfulness while also being firm, unbending, and uncompromising in the way that we live? And so we come to this passage this morning, First, or 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 18 says this, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we, read this with me, fix our eyes not on what is seen, just focus on that for a second. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but, what is, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I think that's a concept that's hard for us to really live sometimes, that what we see is temporary. I know that we, we understand that to a degree, but just the way we process time and the way we process things, um, it does feel like things are going to be here forever, that this world has been here forever, but this world is temporary. The things that we have are temporary. Our life is temporary, which means our struggles are temporary in the grand scheme. We don't need to get so wrapped up in these struggles that we allow them to to pull our focus to a place that just takes us completely away from God. He says, in your life, fix our eyes not on what is seen. In other words, fix your eyes on who? God, on Jesus, on the Holy Spirit, fix your eyes on the Godhead. Let that be the focus in your life. And so as I think about this idea, I think about standing firm in in Jesus kind of has a two-part process here. First, it starts with a commitment at baptism. When you are baptized, when you make that commitment, you say, God, I believe that you are the Father and you are the Son and you are the Holy Spirit. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to seal me with uh, with salvation. I believe that God is full of grace and mercy and I'm, going to, I'm ready to receive this gift. And as I do what Jesus says, if I believe and I'm baptized in him and I'm saved, I'm no longer in bondage to sin. It does not hold me back. It does not control me. I have my eyes fixed on Jesus. If you have done that, you have already made the commitment to stand firm. That is what that moment is about. I am standing firm. Uh, John says it in Revelation, he says, be faithful unto death, and I will give you a what? Crown of life. And so I really believe it's not will I, but rather how do I? That's the question we need. It's not, it's not, will I stand firm when the moment comes? But it's, how will I stand firm when the moment comes? I believe that's a question that we have to ask ourselves over and over. How am I going to do that? How do I prepare for this moment when I face, you know, hostility? When the, when the struggle is real? Well, I believe that we have to understand the struggle. I believe that the way we stand firm starts with understanding the struggle. I want you to read this statement with me and and think about it. The struggle we face is and always has been spiritual at its core. Read that and think about that. Let that sink in. The struggle we face is and always has been. What? Spiritual. It has always been spiritual. going to try to thread a needle here for the next few moments for the rest of this lesson because I believe that as we think about this idea of what our struggle is, it's easy to get confused and, and, and mistake our struggle in the physical and the spiritual. So bear with me for a moment. Our struggle is not about culture wars. Our struggle is not about politics. Our struggle is not about social issues. Our struggle is not about freedoms. Our struggle is not about nationalism. Although I think a lot of times as we think about our struggle as Christians and what we want to stand for and how we feel about things, it's easy to look at these things and go, these are the enemies. These politicians, those people who practice different cultures than me, those social issues. These freedoms that they're trying to take away from me. You know, we want to be a nation that is just about God. It's easy for us to look at these things and go, these are our struggles. These are the people that are trying to take these things away or live countercultural to what we're trying to do. They are our enemies. But look, these are symptoms of the cause, but these are not the cause. Think about that for just a moment. These are symptoms of the issue. All of these things that we see, the negative in all of these things, there's positive in some of these. Everything's not negative. But in these issues that we look at and we struggle with, and we're like, I don't understand this. Why are these things happening? Why are these things happening? Why are these things going on? And they're coming from these directions. These are not the the, the source of our struggle, but rather symptoms of our struggle. Are you following me? These are symptoms that there is an issue, that there is a struggle. And so as we think about that, as we think about that, we have to understand our struggle is not against our enemies, okay? It's not against those people that are so different than me. Satan wants you to do that. Satan wants you to look at people and hate people. He wants you to hate other people who that even though they're different than you, even though they believe different, they look different, they talk different, they act different, he wants you to forget that even though they're different, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And so his main tool is to frustrate us, to get us to hate other people. And when we hate other people, they become our enemy. They become our focus. And, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it, it really just, it throws our way of life and what we're supposed to be about and what we're supposed to be accomplishing way, way off kilter. It, it creates a negative motivation. Ma- Master Jedi Yoda had a great statement one time. He says, fear is the path to darkness. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering Great movie line from Star Wars, for those of you that don't know where it's from. But what I want you to understand is even George Lucas understood in writing this movie that if our motivation is in the wrong place, one negative motivation takes us to another bad place, to another bad place, to another bad place, to the place of the movie calls it the dark side, but I believe spiritually we call it sin. Darkness is used in Scripture to represent Our motivation as we face challenges and struggles in our life cannot be anger, fear, hatred, or rage. It can't be. Our struggle is not against our enemies. Rather, it is for the souls of our enemies. Our struggle is not against those people. It's for those people. The Great Commission tells us our job is to go what? Argue with people that disagree with us? Is that what it says? To fight with them, to be mad at them? To, to, to win arguments against them? No, it says to teach them all things that I have commanded you, baptizing them and making what out of them? Disciples. How do we ever do that when we're so motivated to, to just win arguments instead of winning souls? It must be about the truth of Jesus wrapped in the love of God. That has to be our motivation. So, how do we begin to to unpack this scripturally? What what do we need to learn? What do we need to understand? So that we can be focused in the right direction and not on the wrong things. So we can focus where God wants us to focus instead of where Satan wants us to focus. Well, that comes to our main tip for the day. Ephesians chapter 6. So go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verses 10 through 12 is where we're going to start. He starts and says, finally. So he's going through this whole this this whole book, the most kind of spiritual realm book that there is, okay? He goes, finally, be strong in, in the Lord, all right? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That, that's where our focus is. That's where we're grounded. When we face struggles, we've got to stand right there. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against Who? Against our worldly enemies? No. Who are we taking a stand against? The devil's schemes, okay? There's our enemy, right there. That's our enemy. That's where we focus. He goes on, It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against culture wars. Our struggle is not ultimately against politics. It's not against cultural issues. It's not against freedom. It's not about, our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. It's Satan. That is our focus. That is our enemy, not the people that are chosen to follow him. We're fighting for their souls, not against them, for their souls. So we got to understand that. We have to understand this morning that those hostile to Jesus and his followers are ultimately in bondage to Satan. They're in bondage to Satan. And our purpose is not to fight against them. Our purpose is not to try to win arguments with them. Our purpose is to save them with the gospel because that's the right thing to do. That's the righteous thing to do is not to try to prove them wrong, but try to always prove Jesus right. Amen? Always try to prove Jesus right. There's some interesting things that scripture says about those in this situation. It says this in Mark chapter 4, verses 14 through 15. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seeds along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that has been sown or that was sown in them. So we have to keep fighting. We have to keep sowing. We have to keep giving in that direction. Then Satan entered Judas called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. Who was the who was the enemy here? Was it Judas or was it Satan? Satan's the one that pushed him in this direction. First Timothy 4 verse 11 the spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught about demons. Second Timothy 2 25 through 26 opponents may be must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil, who has taken them captive to do his will. Satan is our enemy. We have to we have to focus in the right direction, because when we don't focus in the right direction, when we focus in the direction of people, people made after the image of God, who are under the bond of Satan, when we focus on them, Satan wins. Satan wins. Satan makes our struggles harder so that he can keep us from accomplishing what God wants us to accomplish. Remember who our opponent is. But here's this, since our struggles are spiritual, then our weapons must be spiritual. If our struggles are spiritual, then our weapons must be spiritual. Let's read the rest of this Ephesians passage. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have, uh, have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, go back and look at these, and you see some very physical things, right? You see physical things. He says, stand firm with the belt, all right? He buckled it. Then he talks about a breastplate, and he's going to go and talk about other things. Then he talks about your feet being uh, fitted with the readiness, you know, having the right feet and the right things to wear. And he's going to go on and talk about other things in this text as well. But the important thing to realize is he qualifies all the physical things with a spiritual context, right? He qualifies all of the physical things with a spiritual context. So, what is our greatest weapon? Our greatest weapon to combat Satan. And the struggles that we face from those following him is love and truth. Love and truth. When you have truth without love, you don't have truth. And when you have love without truth, you don't have love. Did I say that right? Did I get those in the right order? Love and truth are our ultimate weapons. There are going to be times that we have to stand firm and speak the true word of God. But it cannot come from aggravation and frustration. It has to come from love because that's what Jesus is and was about. He says in Matthew chapter 5, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. I believe this may be one of the hardest passages to live out in all of scripture, to love those that don't love you, to love those that are living their life against you and not just love them, but pray for them. And not pray for them the way we pray for them. It's not like, you know, Jake's living against me and I'm like, God, if you would please let Jake see the things that I want him to see. You know, it's kind of a selfish prayer. Let Jake live the life that I think he should live. No, 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 it's let Jake live the life that he needs to live but also God help me live the life that I need to live as well. I heard somebody say the other day, and, and I haven't kind of let this kind of sink in and, and, and soak in and, and really kind of think on this for a little while, but he said, we have this statement. And he said, I understand the idea behind the statement, and I, and I do as well, but you'll be able to finish it when I say it. Love the sinner, hate the... Say it louder. Love the sinner, hate the... Okay, and we live that, right? We try to live that, but this guy said this. He goes... Maybe it should be, love the sinner, but hate your own sin. The command we have to sinners, towards sinners, is to love them. Love them. With love and truth, love them. And then, instead of worrying about their sin one way or the other, make sure you worry about your sin and living the way you need to live. And he goes back and he talks about... The, the plank and the speck of dust. He goes, so many times it's easy for us to go, hey, I'm going to love you, but I'm going to love you and judge you with this plank in my eye. He goes, worry about your own sin above everybody else's sin. Get it where it needs to be. Live the life you need to live. And in the process, love everybody else along the way in love and truth. And I believe that this verse pushes us in that direction as well. Luke 23, verse 34. Jesus said, where, where is Jesus at this point? Where is Jesus at this point? As, as you read this verse, I know some of you have, where is Jesus in this moment where he says this word? Where? Hanging on a what? And what words come out of his mouth? Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing, and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Ephesians 4, verse 15, Instead of speaking, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect mature body of him, who is the head, that is, Christ. John 1 and verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of what? Greats and truth. Our struggle is real. It is. Our struggle is so real. We are facing more hostile times in our life than Christians have ever faced in our country as a whole and we get frustrated by it, and we want to focus our direction and our energy somewhere because we feel like if we, we focus it somewhere, we can be productive, right? But let's just make sure we are, we are focusing our direction toward who it needs to be, not towards those fearfully made in the image of God, but rather towards Satan and his schemes so that we can battle him and defeat him and save the souls of those around us. Let's go to God in prayer. Thank you for the time that we get to spend together and just be challenged by your word. God, our, our culture now is so wrapped up in divisiveness and, and, and struggling in so many ways. And help us as Christians to not be sucked into that, to, to not... To not be sucked into the political wars and the cultural wars, but rather to be just a light to the world. For us to stand firm in you and let our love and truth shine everywhere, everywhere possible. So that as the world may crumble around us at times, those that are seeking salvation, those that are seeking love and forgiveness will know exactly where to come. That is to the foot of the cross. To you. Help us to be the life that guides them there, God. Forgive us when we forget it. Forgive us when we fall into the traps of this world, to the traps of Satan, and, and argue and fuss and fight with those who try to prove a point. Help us to not get wrapped up in things that don't matter. Help us remember that our number one priority above everything else, above anything else, is to spreading the gospel, the true message of Jesus. Forgive us when we fail you, God. In your son's name we pray.
0: Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Thank you again for joining us. And please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember to love like Jesus.